Something that I'm passionate about. Something that about. you want people to, to, to know about you. Mm, I mean, honestly, outside of football, the only thing I could think of saying right now is I'm, I'm big on family. I'm big on my family unit. My mom, my dad, my little brother, like that's pretty much my whole world. Um, outside of any other thing going on, my life revolves around them. Um, it's just how I was raised, and that's, that's just something I'm, I'm big on, so I would say family. That is the voice of Damar Hamlin from back in November. The man whose voice we have not heard nearly enough of. The man whose story we have watched by watching other people, basically. Which feels like a notably strange dynamic, right? I mean, when the world usually finds itself watching a public person suffer through some kind of tragedy, live, by the way, on television, the world usually has a pretty good idea of who that person already is. But to be perfectly honest here, I knew almost nothing about DeMar Hamlin before he became world famous, before his heart stopped live on television, stopping this pivotal Monday Night Football game in the first quarter, a game that may never be resumed, at least not this week, according to the NFL. I... Also, didn't know what his face even looked like. What the face of this 24-year-old Bill's safety even resembled. You never saw it as he went from totally upright after that routine first quarter tackle to suddenly down on the ground, being administered CPR right there on the field in Cincinnati. What you did see instead were familiar faces. The faces of everybody else, pretty much. Hamlin's teammates, his coaches, his opponents, even my colleagues broadcasters, and the only clue that those faces offered about the story of DeMar Hamlin, it was this invasively legible terror. We know as of Tuesday night now that DeMar Hamlin is still at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. He is still sedated, still in critical condition, still undergoing testing. His family yesterday released a statement that thanked the medical professionals who helped him, who restored his heartbeat, those first responders who restored his heartbeat down on that field. But we wanted to know more. We wanted to know the story of DeMar Hamlin long before that ambulance was ever called. And so today, we ask Tyler Dunn, a Buffalo-based journalist who knows DeMar, who was there in Cincinnati on Monday night, and who profiled him long before anybody else that I know to tell us exactly that. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Wednesday, January 4th. And this is ESPN Daily. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Tyler Dunn, before we get into the story you reported, that is the whole reason I invited you onto the show today. I do feel like I should point out that it is a Tuesday night that we are talking, and you just drove home to Buffalo from the Monday night game in Cincinnati, the game that everybody is still thinking about. And so what was it like to actually be in the building when DeMar Hamlin collapsed? When it happened, initially the reaction is what everybody had, right? It's awful, but we're, we're conditioned to expect the thumbs up, expect the little wave, everybody to cheer. Even the ambulance on the field doesn't really give us the chills anymore. Just following this game our entire lives, there wasn't anything too different about it until you get the binoculars Mm. and you look down. Obviously, the Bills players, they they form that arc around him. And I mean, that alone was something special. You know, they're trying to protect their brother, their loved one from people seeing this. And and to see the CPR being administered for eight, nine minutes, I mean, it, it, it was chilling. And then to know it was DeMar Hamlin... I guess it's it's just total shock and then chills when I started looking back and, and kind of jogging my memory about everything that DeMar has been through in his own life. Well, your memory of DeMar is better than pretty much anybody else in my phone. And I know this because I'm a fan of your newsletter. It is titled Go Long. And in 2021, you published an in-depth profile of what seemed at the time to just be a seemingly random rookie safety, right? And because you're a Buffalo guy... You invited young DeMar Hamlin to do the most Buffalo thing. What was it? So he gets drafted by the Bills, and I think it was shortly after they took him in the in the sixth round out of pit. I was just kind of stricken with his tweet, just asking the fans right out of the shoot, like, where do I get chicken wings? Like, where, where do I go? <laughs> and obviously the locals deliver and you get the bar bill recommendations and you know, people who who don't really know the area, they might throw out an anchor bar or a duff. So not I don't I want to down talk the mainstays, but if you really know chicken wings in western New York, you know you go to Elmo's in the North Towns. And there were a lot of people giving Damar Hamlin that sound, sound advice to get to Elmo's. And they've got every type of chicken wing you could want, the dry rubs, the honey double dip, you know, hot, medium. And I, I knew the the manager there, so I gave him a heads up that we were coming and basically I just reached out to DeMar Hamlin's agent. It was like, Hey, I saw his tweet. He's looking to eat some wings. People told him Elmo's. Why don't we just get some wings? So yeah, we, 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 we met up and uh, brought out about four plates of wings. Anything we could want. And we just talked and he opened up and it went directions. I never could have imagined. But you show up hoping to write a profile of this rookie, this rookie safety on the team that is in the city where you live. And your first impressions of this person you've never met before were what? Just what everybody's saying is that smile. And it's so true. He's got a magnetic, infectious personality. And it starts with uh, just a gentle smile that's real. It wasn't forced. And I'm pulling him into Elmo's, which you got the hockey jerseys up on the wall. You got a youth team celebrating a win over here. Some of the locals at the bar. Um, what I'm saying is a lot, a lot of white guys. <laughs> and Damar, I mean, he's will, he's willing to walk into that kind of world just because, hey, he heard the fans talking about Elmo's. He 
wanted to try some chicken wings. I think that alone says a lot about DeMar Hamlin. And yeah, I think it's just uh, a, a general kindness. Once we kind of got talking and made some small talk, it honestly, it didn't really take long for him to to want to dig into his story in his past. And I think a lot of guys just, just, they don't get that opportunity very often. So he was eager to do it. Yeah, that past, the story that begins so much, so much further before Monday Night Football, where does it begin? I'd say, you know, McKeese Rocks, um, a, a borough outside of Pittsburgh. And I think it really does start actually when he's, he's 12 years old and he's in a courtroom and his, his father is sentenced to, to 10 years uh, selling drugs, ends up doing three and a half years. But that scene is just so embedded in his memory. He, he could vividly remember just the sadness, the disappointment, just the emptiness in his mom's expression. And she's kind of just losing her loved one, losing her husband. And, and then she, it's like she knows that her son is going to be a kid becoming a man without a dad. He said, I lost my imagination as a kid. It's just too real. No kid should have to see that, that kind of thing. And lo losing the dad, I mean, they were so unbelievably close. So that happens. And, and really in middle school, that's when a lot of peers are succumbing to the streets. Not even necessarily, you know, joining a quote unquote gang, but there's so much gun violence that a shootout could just break out and you could just be there and you could lose your life. So his mom really did everything she could to shield him from that world. And he's helping out with the cleaning business. He's, he's the man of the house at such a young age. And I think it really, it forced him to see the world for what it is at an age where I, most people don't have that awakening until their 30s, 40s, if they ever get it. But that idea that he had to grow up real quickly, uh, both because of his dad and his dad going to prison, but also because of what it was like to just be a kid in McKee's Rocks. Uh, what was his social network like? How did he describe that to you? I think he said, I, I had to be a man. It changed my life. And I think his, his world, his day-to-day, -day, paying the bills was hard enough. There were nights where they didn't have heat in their home. It just broke. There were days at school where he, he didn't have a lunch and he'd have a friend that might give him a, a couple bites of his meal to help him get through that day. And I, I think even as he enrolled into Pittsburgh Central Catholic, you know, he's still in McKees Rock, so he's still kind of around the violence. So it's not like he physically moved to a new neighborhood. The term he used was it's a crab in the barrel type of place where everybody just kind of knows everybody. And that year where he lost his dad, I, I want to say three close friends of his died. And then over time, he started to meticulously break down the names and the events and how he lost so many of these friends. I it's commonplace for a reason, right? You hear this story a lot for a reason, but football really was his escape. That was his sanctuary. That gave him an outlet to just throw himself into a passion. And really, I, he, he blossomed. He became one of the top recruits throughout the state, throughout the country, really could have picked his destination, gone anywhere. And he wants to be a model for others growing up in poverty and, and seeing these shootouts up close, seeing that thin line between life and death and knows why don't I go to Pittsburgh? Why don't I take my talents to a school where if I'm there, people are going to know my name. They're going to see me. They're going to be familiar. I, right. I can somehow be an inspiration for those people. How many offers did he have as a, as a aspiring college football player? 48 scholarship offers. He narrowed it down to Ohio State, Penn State, Notre Dame, Clemson, and, and Pitt. He said, you know, I wanted to, 
to give him that image growing up. Talk about his younger brother that he can look back and be able to model himself after. And he chose Pitt over everybody for that reason, for his brother and for more kids like his brother to, to see that. That became his life mission, his life purpose. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but even as an NFL player, you got to find a why. I mean, this is the most violent game on earth. You've got to have some kind of rare why. You can't just kind of like football. But he had a very distinct, clear why to enter that world. And it, and it was McKees Rocks, his brother, tr trying to inspire and change lives. And so he has this mission. He has this mission to make sure that his younger brother has a role model that is nearby, somebody who is going to help him prevent the life that he had seen befall so many of his friends and also himself. But when he gets to Pitt, it's not like it's like smooth sailing, right? What is it like for DeMar Hamlin when he gets to college? I think the expectations were th this is going to be one of the best defensive backs in the nation that is, is, he's a playmaker. You're talking about a lot of really good defensive players that are going all over the country, destined for stardom, wants to be that source of inspiration for everybody in McKeese Rocks and, and, and really the entire city of Pittsburgh gets out there. And it, it's maddening because his, his, his brain, his mind is telling him to do one thing, close on the ball, make a play, see ball, get ball. I mean, he can read the field from center field. He can play all over. Yeah, when he would, would go to trigger, go to make the play, his body just couldn't back it up. His body couldn't deliver. So it was just unbelievably frustrating for him. He just couldn't figure it out. He had two surgeries to repair a sports hernia that wasn't being treated like a true sports hernia. The doctor at Pitt used this weird mesh thing that kind of patched it together and didn't fully fix the issue. So that was the issue, but he's being told everything's fine. Go out there and play, and he's not himself. So, Man. yeah, I mean, physically, it was hard, but I think mentally that you just turn into a player that you never were before that's not able to make the plays that you made your whole life. You can easily start to doubt yourself in that moment, and he did. Well, this, this injury where, what is it, flesh comes off the bone, right? Like, this is, this is, a, this is a graphic, serious thing. It, it requires, what, a third surgery? to get this right? And then when does he get back on the field? And when does he begin to look like the prospect that he had promised to be? Right. I mean, you just described it perfectly. And it's the muscle tears off of the bone and it has to be reattached. And the mesh just kind of patches it together. So the two surgeries did nothing. So he's doubting himself. You're right. He's wondering if I'm any good. Um, and it was all on pit. Uh, so eventually he gets the third surgery. I, I believe it was right on Hamlin's birthday. March 24, 2017, when he had that third surgery done. So Pitt's medical staff linked him up with this Dr. William Myers, and they, they got it figured out, and lo and behold, he was himself again. Right? He has, he's got these three seasons to prove DeMar Hamlin is DeMar Hamlin, that source of inspiration for everybody in McKeese Rocks, his younger brother. And that's, that's why he chose Pitt. He's got his younger brother at the games, on the field. He wants to show him there is something else out there, show all kids that there is something else out there, and I think what always separated DeMar Hamlin is that his play style was a real, ex a real extension of how he grew up and where he grew up and that hard scrabble lifestyle and, and losing friends and seeing that thin line between what life and death. It's fearless. Absolutely fearless um, is what his uh, a coach and Archie Collins and some of his closest friends and teammates, that's the way they describe him is this is somebody who is going to throw himself into harm's way. Well, so DeMar Hamlin... This guy who is fearless, who is a physical player, who who is priding himself on being the sort of safety that 
yeah, a hard-hitting city like Buffalo may may enjoy. Uh, what was his reaction to being taken by the Bills? <laughs> yeah, I think it's just you're you're happy, you're excited. It's a good football team, and that's kind of how things have changed in Buffalo for for the longest time. I mean, I grew up here and was around for the 17-year playoff drought, and it's it started to take on that Siberia-like vibe for a lot of guys, and I don't. I don't blame them. I mean, we just yeah. went through two blizzards here and it is not fun to wake up and look outside and think, how in the hell am I even going to open this door, let alone walk out into my driveway? But most players are not accustomed to this life here in Buffalo. By the time they drafted DeMar Hamlin, um, it, it was genuine excitement because at the, with Josh Allen, with Stephon Diggs, with the way that they've completely turned this thing around, you become a destination. Von Miller signs. He chooses you. I mean, eh, players are choosing to play in Buffalo. Yes. Probably there, there was a little hesitation, like, all right, what's it really like there? But then you realize you're going to a good team, a good culture. You're going to win a lot of games. Good things are going to happen. And that sort of acclimation process to this new city, to this new home, you know, wings aside, how, how did that all go? I think it's been great. He um, really threw himself into a secondary that well, if, if you're a young player and you're looking to go to an NFL secondary, you really couldn't pick a better place with Micah Hyde, with Jordan Poyer, with Tredavious White, with everything that they have there in Buffalo, veterans in place that are proven. Brandon Bean as general manager, he, he's done such a masterful job of really digging into these kind of stories. And I, I think that, you know, you don't, you don't, take a player because of all the crap that he went through as a, as a 12 year old, as a 13 year old and say, Oh, you know, he, he got to know the person. He knows how he's wired. He knows how that playing style is an extension of how he grew up. He knows he's going to, he's going to work, right? He worked through what he did at Pitt, grinded through it. A lot of these guys are wired the same way. I was just sitting down actually with, with Taiwan Jones, a special teamer. He's been in the NFL for a decade and he, he's a real leader on this team. He's a captain he put it perfectly. He's like, on this team, the big emphasis is when you enter the building, are you a plus or are you a minus? Like, what kind of energy are you emitting into the atmosphere? It doesn't matter what, you're go what you got going on in your life. Like, anything at home, any drama you could have going on, like, when you enter that building, are you putting good energy into the atmosphere? And that can be contagious. It sounds corny, but it's real. And you can feel it. And it builds camaraderie. And that's why when something like this happens down on the field, and it's so unbelievably tragic and none of us can wrap our heads around it. You, you see the tears. You see just a, a Saran Neal on a knee facing the other direction, uh, unable to comprehend this. Dane Jackson went to college with DeMar at Pitt. Mm. They've known each other since they were kids. He, he can't even be anywhere near this. I mean, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, the tear. It just, it. there's a lot behind that. This is as close of a team as I've ever seen. You know, since I've covered football in 06, 07, I, I've never seen a locker room and a group of young players and old players th this, this closely tied together. After the break, the difference DeMar Hamlin has already made in Buffalo.
Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. And it occurs to me that the piece that you wrote, the profile that you published on your newsletter your time with DeMar and and all of the wings involved. It was titled Why DeMar Hamlin is Exactly What the Buffalo Bills Need. Why did you title it that? Because I think it's really twofold. I mean, there's there's the X's and O's and there's the football element of this all, which it, it still seems trivial to even talk about. But, mm. you know, I, I was just kind of looking at the way the roster was constructed and th- this was in July 2021. So you knew Josh Allen's, you know, just astronomical contract was around the corner. And when you pay the quarterback that kind of money that he deserves, give him the blank check, whatever he wants, Josh, write it on a sheet of paper. And Terry Pagula was willing to do that. Uh, When that happens, though, you can't keep everybody. I mean, Jordan Poyer, he wanted a contract into the season and he didn't get it. Um, Stephon Diggs got paid, but you can't pay everybody. So I was just kind of, you know, forecasting ahead. All right, you know, Micah Hyde's getting up there. Poyer's getting up there. They're clearly wanted to, they want to develop a safety. And up until this season, the Bills have not experienced life without Poyer and Hyde at all. I mean, they've basically played every snap since they started turning this thing around. So, I mean, nobody knows if, if anybody is ready in the wings. So they draft Tamar Hamlin. Yeah, it's a sixth round pick. But as we just kind of got into the top recruit in the state of Pennsylvania, exactly you know, wired how they want these safeties to be wired attacks the job like they want him to attack it so it, it kind of made sense that yeah that's that's what they need you know on a sheet of paper when it comes to the football but then the more you talk to him it becomes more of all that other stuff and to win a championship you need that you, you, you need that other stuff yeah talent matters but you get late into a fourth quarter it, it, it's a very human game it's not played on a spreadsheet you need somebody who's been through what a DeMar Hamlin has been through to rise up in those moments. The Bills have a lot of those players. And it also sounds like by the time that you were done eating dinner with him, like the scouting report had evolved that you were also like all in on his potential just as a guy who was now going to be a fellow resident of your city. You really do learn a lot about a player when you, when you dig into this stuff. And I think that if we take anything from this tragedy that is honestly, it's still strange, Pablo, to talk about football. I mean, to, to sit here and, and and talk about the salary cap and Hyde and Poyer and what he can bring to, I mean, my God, it's l- l- let's remember that the, the, these are human beings that have gone through a lot in life. And for the most part, we have no idea um, 
I mean, if we, if we don't just grab wings and catch up, hell, I, I'm never finding any of this out. He's not, he's not really sharing his story much at all. So the story now, as it stands, Ty, it also has to do with the sheer amount of money that DeMar Hamlin's toy drive has raised over the internet in the aftermath of Monday Night Football. And what is staggering to me, reading your work, hearing you now, is that charity is not, is not a small thing to what DeMar Hamlin's ambitions have been in the NFL. That was his whole mission. That was his whole purpose. When he's not the player that he was always meant to be and thought he'd be at Pitt and he's going through those two initial surgeries and it's not working, <clears throat> that's when he starts this mission, this idea for chasing millions that becomes chasing M's and, and puts this business into motion and knows down the road when he does turn it around and he does get to the NFL and he can be what he always wanted to be and give kids hope in McKees Rocks and all of Pittsburgh that he'd, he'd make that happen. So he, he sincerely wants to be a source of hope for kids that were in the exact same position he was in. He knows there's a ton of kids out there that just need a glimmer of hope. So he does it that way with a camp. Actually, when we got together at Elmo's for those wings, I want to say it was shortly after he had one of these camps and we were talking about it and you could just see how passionate he is to, to genuinely give back and, and not just, you know, tee up a word salad of, about wanting to inspire change. And, and uh, he, you know, he's making it happen. Like he, he's putting his effort where his mouth is. And obviously, you know, it has resonated with Bills fans, football fans, humanity. Well, this toy drive, right? So, like, let's give the numbers at the most recent update here on Tuesday night. Initial goal for this holiday toy drive, DeMar Hamlin's $2,500. Now about $5 million, Ty. And I know the Bills are a famously charitable fan base, Bills Mafia. But this feels, even in that context, like a pretty unprecedented special thing. You know, we all get kind of so busy and caught up in our own lives that just throwing 20 bucks into a good cause. It, it's, it seems small. It seems simple. It doesn't seem like a lot, but Bills fans know it can add up. It can make a real difference. And I really think that this year especially is, it has been tough in Buffalo. When you really yeah. add it up, the top shooting, um, the two blizzards. I mean, who knows what the final death count really was on this last one. It's, it's, it's unbelievably tragic. There's been a lot of bad in the city of Buffalo. Uh, they need some good. And I think that if there's anything about the city in this region, it's they, they have that ability to turn a bad into a good, to, to turn darkness into to, to something optimistic, hopeful. And this was the extreme version of that. I mean, we, we all were mortified by what we saw. Uh, CPR on a football field, it, it doesn't seem real. Um, yeah, but that's just what the city does. That's what these fans do, and I, I think that it's it resonates with people outside of Buffalo, and they kind of took on the spirit of what we typically see here in Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, it, it occurs to me that this community effort that you're describing seems like like a, a, an eerily perfect fit for the mission that this kid, Demar Hamlin, now 24, but dating back to when he was a preteen, was was always interested in, and so. As this person, the only person that I know who has who has spent quality time with the man, who has 
done the most important Buffalo activity of all with him, Eden untold numbers of wings when you think <laughs> when you think back to the time you spent with him what are what are the quotes that continue to sort of echo in your brain as you continue to monitor also just his well-being in that hospital in Cincinnati it's a great question because there's definitely one that will stick with me for the rest of my life it is the reality that tomorrow is not promised I mean, he was listing off so many of his friends that tragically died, and, and you never really know why. You never really know who did it, and you never really get answers. And so it got to a point in Damar Hamlin's life where, I mean, you, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know if the person you're talking to, your loved one, your your mom, your dad, your uncle, your best friend, you, you don't know where their life is going to be the next time you have a conversation with them. So what Damar Hamlin said, and what rang through my head, you know, as he is literally on the turf getting CPR. And I, I actually pulled up my story because I remember him saying it and it kind of stuck with me then. And I wanted to see it again. But I mean, th these are DeMar Hamlin's words. The way I grew up teaches you to cherish everybody in your life because you never know who you'll lose. You could lose anybody. Everybody I talk to, I say, I love you. And that's neighborhood tradition. So if we take anything from DeMar Hamlin, it's that, right? I mean, this is incredible that millions upon millions of dollars are being poured into his life mission. But just telling somebody you love them. I mean, I, I found myself doing that mm. during this game, re reaching out to my wife, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister. That's how I try to end every conversation with, I, I love you. And if we take anything from DeMar Hamlin, it's that, right? Just, just, just love the people close to you and live every day to the absolute fullest this this is somebody who does that in every possible way and i'll just say this too i mean it, his spirit he's fighting like hell right now i mean I've, I've, I've reached out to some people close to him and i i think that's what you hear is this is somebody who's going to fight and fight and fight and uh he's got everybody behind him that is for damn sure tyler dunn Thank you for telling us his story. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Pablo. It was a pleasure. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. And yeah, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.